1: Welcome to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth.
2: Hi. Hello, everyone. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and welcome to The Visual Workplace. This is our weekly radio show where we explore and celebrate workplace visuality, letting the workplace speak. Every week, we look at some aspect of that, of how to let the workplace speak so we can reap the huge benefits of doing so, so that we are safer, we do better work, we do it more on time, more completely. Our company makes money, makes better profit margins, and we enjoy ourselves along the way. We come to work and we are in flow. The struggle has disappeared because we've addressed the information deficits and cleared all of that clutter out of the way. And I'm not talking about 5S clutter here. I'm talking about the clutter of questions, of endless questions that we ask and endless questions that we are asked, these interruptions. Research has shown us that it takes us eight to 10 minutes To recover from an interruption, however long or short, to recover means to get back to the level of work that we were doing before, not just getting back to work, but getting back to that tight focus when we are actually doing our good work. So welcome, welcome, welcome today. We are going to talk with Eric Lall. He's the vice president of Performance Solutions at Total Insight, which is located in Hickory, North Carolina, a firm that does Very, very comprehensive lean solutions, and lean help. His work is in something called Extended Lean. This is the manufacturing arena and the supply chain arena. And he has been doing this work for decades now. We met back in the 1990s. You'll hear about that in a little while. He was an early adopter of the concepts and practices that I wrote about in my first book, Smart, Simple Design. We're going to be talking about that today. And as you know, in the two previous shows, I've been setting up that discussion for Smart, Simple Design. I hope you've been listening in because this is a series and I really do want to knock your socks off. I really do want your socks to roll up and down because you suddenly realize that lean and visual are simply coping mechanisms to help you deal with complexity. Now, we don't mind complexity. We want to give, if it's giving our customers choice, we call that positive complexity or positive variety. But what we do mind is the complexity that creates complications. We call it negative variety, negative complexity. And there is a way of promoting the first, positive variety, and minimizing the second, negative variety. And that is what this book is about, Smart Simple Design. And that is what lean is there to cope with the complexity of your product architecture, of your parts base. And if you're in a service company, it's the same thing. Okay? It's the complexity that we unintentionally trigger by giving our customers choice. And they usually pay through the nose for it because it will increase our cost structure. And we're going to hear some amazing examples of that today. If you haven't listened to the two other shows that preceded this one or the two that are following, at least two more, where I map out what is smart simple design, what do we mean by an X-type company, a Y-type company, negative variety, positive variety, variety effectiveness. If I haven't talked to you yet about true cost, please listen to those shows and you'll appreciate today's conversation even more. I actually want to bring Eric Lael right on board right now without any announcements because we have a full agenda, and I know that you'll find this very interesting. Everything else would be an interruption. So, Eric Lael, I want to welcome you, and I want to thank you and Total Insight for lending us your brilliant mind for this hour. I'm very, very glad you could join us.
3: Well, thank you, Gwendolyn, for having us on the show. And we just uh, we're excited about this topic and we're excited about uh, just making sure that folks realize change that can happen in their organizations at the highest levels, the strategic levels of the company. Because
2: of this and also because of the work that you're doing uh, at Total Insight, and before we get into how you've applied the principles of smart, simple design, please tell us about your background, the kinds of things that you've done that have brought you to the work that you're doing today. Just get personal with us for a moment.
3: Well, actually, my lean journey began as a, a rapid continuous improvement engineer at the Han Company in the early '90s. I was brainwashed, and all of as most of the engineers were in, under George Cogensacker's tut- tutelage. Uh, quickly I became an internal RCI consultant for the company and traveled to all of our locations in North America working with our fireplace uh, producing manufacturers uh, as well as our office manufacturers Uh, after I left the Han company uh, where I learned a lot of lean techniques under shingajitsu and uh, some Japanese consultants I went to Hickory Chair Company uh, in Hickory North as their director of continuous improvement Uh, we're about 80 million in sales and a year into that journey, I became general manager of one of their divisions uh, for everything except sales and marketing. And so my influence over the company was much greater with lean principles at more of a strategic level than just on the tactical level. Uh, several companies after that with uh, the furniture industry, Hickory Hill Furniture, Kenat uh, Kitchens, which is a Kohler company, uh, Kitchen Cabinets, where I became vice president of operations for multiple sites and multiple countries. And then that total insight. And that now,
2: is, uh, now you said, and now total insight. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah,
2: fantastic. And and so your background is as an engineer, and what kind is it? What kind of an uh, engineer?
3: Industrial engineering.
2: Ie, great. And so, uh, so that's what you brought to your current job, Total Insight. <laughs> and so, what's happening in that field in your company? Talk about your work at Total Insights.
3: Well, we are focused more on the uh, full supply chain, end-to-end supply chain, and we're looking at uh, the big picture all the time as opposed to just tactical lean things. Uh, We're trying to get our clients to think outside of their four walls, and instead of just looking at raw material to finished goods, uh, we're looking at end-to-end supply chains and all of the waste that come into play uh, there, both internationally and domestically. And we're looking at trying to take out waste at the highest level and ask ourselves, how can we simplify the supply chain so that we can use lean principles at the, the macro level of the company?
2: Let's just t- stop for a moment because we have a very uh, wide array of, of folks who listen to us and just explain what the supply chain is so people know what we're talking about.
3: When we talk about the supply chain, it's we get involved with our clients from everything from the moment they've had a concept of an idea or a service, and they're looking for solutions to bring that to the customer. So that may be involved sourcing. It may involve uh, international, over from Asia, Europe, uh, through ports, through uh, modes of transportation of less than truckload or truckload or parcel, UPS, FedEx. Uh, to warehouses, distribution centers, and finally to the manufacturer, which is where typically lean is implemented, and then back out to their distribution models to their end consumers. So we are looking at that full spectrum of the process. So it's like
2: a huge network of everything that feeds into my plant and everything that feeds out and all those connections. Exactly. Be them people or services or whole other factories, In different countries. Okay. And it's huge. Supply chain cost is far, far exceeds anything that happens within your four walls. It is everything else. So, yes. (laughs) So tell us about this concept of extended lean, which is something that Total Insight specializes in.
3: Well, and it's exactly what we just described is that we're trying to get um, executives and folks that are implementing lean to realize a value stream map to go down to the process level so they go to a tactical level and start implementing 5S or set of production or TPM or standardized work and they'll spend three to four years trying to figure out what's wrong with their process inside their four walls and then about five years into the journey they'll wake up and say well the customer really doesn't have a, a great experience you know our cost are less but the lead time that we're quoting still isn't great to the customer And how do we improve that? And so we are helping them simultaneously attack those other value streams that are beyond their four walls while they're attacking what's inside. Uh, And by doing that, we feel that their speed to a competitive advantage for their customer is much greater.
2: How is that done, Eric? How What do you bring to bear? You're not bringing standard work to bear or a single-minute exchange of dye. You're using other technologies,
3: we are. We're basically using principles. So the principle of when you look at most companies look at a machine at multiple machines within a factory and they start looking at the flow, we're looking at facilities. We're looking at facilities around the world. We're looking at facilities in North America and trying to decide with uh, transportation management system software that we have where those locations should be. Where's the minimal amount of transportation? How can we reduce that travel? Or how can we reduce that cost? And so when we simplify the supply chain with using uh, technology and then principles and looking at their business model, then we can uh, take out much greater waste at the highest level than by just the lower levels of the factory floor.
2: So it's like a huge chessboard with the pieces being the locations or the factories, and you're really questioning why they're located where they are. And whether or not that should be, ch- it's worth the cost of changing it. Would that be one of the pieces?
3: It is, and they'll, you know, they'll drive them to saying, "Hey, we've got a, a business need where we need more cash. What what types of inventories do we need in the system? Should that be uh, manufactured? Should that be purchased? Is this in our core competencies? Mm-hmm. If it is, where should it be located?" Mm-hmm. And so we are really looking at facilities, just like a factory looks at machines.
2: Hmm,
3: moving the pieces around on a macro level.
2: Yeah, Really, really interesting. And any specific projects that we might recognize besides the idea of locating and relocating um, uh, feeder plants?
3: Specifically, we can get down to the analysis of exactly what the cost is, which plays in the smart, simple design. We can look at what the true cost of their supply chain is based on the complexity uh, by using our systems and looking at their shipping locations. We get asked that quite often by engineering teams and then we'll back out and do uh, everything from executive coaching uh, to how to implement these principles at the highest level so most of the time we still get the calls of uh, tactical lean how do we do a SMED event how do we do a TPM event but what we're really trying to do is get the executives to think this way at the top of the organization because waste at the highest level uh, affects 90 to 100 percent of the employees. You talked about having a great lifestyle at work, it affects 90 to 100 percent of their customers, it affects 90 to 100 percent of all of the activity that's happening in the company. Hmm. And that's where I think smart, simple design plays it's at hmm. that principle level that affects everything else in the company, uh, which generates all that complexity.
2: Fantastic. Very good. So, so before we shift over to Smart Simple Design, please, Eric, would you tell us how folks can get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more about Total Insight and about your good work there?
3: Yeah, the easiest way to get in touch with us is uh, on the Internet at www.totalinsight.com. Um, and then from there, they can see our logistics solutions, lean solutions, technology solutions, or sourcing solutions. And you have a phone number? We do. It's 828 485 5000.
2: Very ancient technology. <laughs> yes. So we're going to go into a break right now. And when we come back, we will start hearing about your take on smart, simple design and the really amazing journey that you've had beginning about 1995, 96, 97, something. Please come back, everyone. We'll be here waiting for you.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome back to the second segment of the Visual Workplace on this fine day. And I am here with Eric Lyle, Vice President of Total Performance at Total Insight, Inc. in North Carolina, a firm that specializes in extended lean, covering the whole supply chain, that vast network. And we are today talking about smart, simple design. We've just begun that conversation. This is a book that I wrote in 1995, which somehow fell into the hands of, and we'll find out how in a moment, into Eric's hands, and he got it. He was an early adopter, and he's got some great stories for us. So first, I'm going to say, Eric, how did we
3: meet? (laughs) Well, actually, the first time I met you was in 97. When I was working at the Han Company, I was an internal rapid continuous improvement consultant, And we pulled all of our lean thinkers together in Muscatine for a session that you were invited to host. And that session was on Smart, Simple Design. You had just released the book, and I believe our president, George Koenigsacker, had a relationship with you through the Shingo Prize. And you came and met our organization and spent about three days with us talking about this concept.
2: Yeah, and it had some impact. So well, tell us about that. You had spent a lot of time on lean uh, at Han, and then uh, what happened after that That uh, time together?
3: Well, at that point, it actually happened a, a few months before I actually left the Han company, and it was perfect timing because up until that point at Han, I was uh, considered to be a specialist that would go down to the shop floor and help on Kaizen events at the very tactical level implementing Smed, 5S, what have you, and in my mind, I thought, you know, there's a lot of this complexity of the company that we shouldn't even be having to deal with. You know, if we would eliminate some of these options and variety that we could simplify the changeovers, we could eliminate the need to even have some Kaizen events, we could easily move the machines around in a different flow pattern that would make a lot more sense, and intuitively, that just made sense. So when I heard you speak, it was like the light bulb went off, and I thought, "Oh God, I hope our executives get this."
2: <laughs> mm. And did they?
3: Uh, they got some of it. You know, I think, and and being an executive myself, I think that's what happens. We hear a hundred percent, and we implement five. But we we tried to um, re- go through a, several of our product lines at Han before I left, and tried to reengineer them. But we didn't look at the lowest levels of the company of the parts that were very slow runners that were having a huge impact on inventories and space and those kind of things in the company. So, you know, a few months after I had your session, I actually took a different job with a company called Hickory Chair in residential furniture. If you know anything about residential furniture, you know that it's, uh, besides aerospace, it's probably the most backwards industry in the uh, <laughs> North America. And... <clears throat> Tickery Chair had been around since 1911 and our our plant was still in the original facility and we had about uh 900,000 square feet of uh production facility and probably 90% of that space was full of work in process and uh inventories we had 1.4 inventory turns in 97 when I got there and as director of continuous improvement I thought wow this is this is overwhelming and You know, for the first year, I started swinging away at waste with a traditional value stream map on one of our product families, like we all do. And then a year into that journey, I was asked to be general manager of more than half of the company, product development, and everything but sales and marketing under my umbrella. And I thought, you know, we if we're going to implement this and make this happen here and change the game, so to speak, we're going to have to do a lot of radical things. So besides just giving goals to the plant floor about what we needed to do at the lowest levels of the flow and uh, waste and those types of things, I gave goals to product development as well. And, and the so goals we,
2: and the goals were around?
3: Skew reduction, option reduction, part re- simplifying. I, I thought about the book. I thought about the concepts. I thought, you know, I've got to get my hat around something here that um, people can – uh, grasp on that's going to simplify this company. And, and to me, the cancer of the company, uh I went to one part of the plant and it was at about 60,000 square feet. And when I first did my initial gimbal walk and I saw that we were quoting customers 12 week deliveries on upholstery and we're about 40% on time. And then when you, you digest that and realize that you're really trying to have a model, everything in stock, and for some reason, it still takes 12 weeks to get it to the customer. And, and I started looking around and saying, wow, we've got 865,000 parts in inventory wow. of 5,000 different part types of just wood. Now, we're just talking about just the wood parts. And I looked around and I asked the employees, does anybody else realize that this is the heartbeat of the plant? And the supervisor of that area, she said, no, you're the first person that's ever said that.
2: Hmm. And and, 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 what, and what was her name?
3: Her name was Juanita. And, and we're uh, gonna
2: we're gonna hear about Juanita Hicks in a moment. I just want to go back and and uh, uh, mention a few things that you've said before about the complexity. I remember you said that there were. 50 different colors of thread that oh, yeah. there was hardware in nickel in bronze and brass and it could either be from China or Italy or Indonesia that there were 1500 fabric combinations but the thing that really and and also that co- oh, wow. that customers had an option to put any material they wanted into their upholstery and remember you mentioned a 100-year-old quilt you know so yes. there was wide customer choice but the thing that blew my mind was when you said there were a hundred different finish options, that's paint options, and if you didn't like any of those, you could go to Benjamin Moore and pick up <laughs> your phone and match it.
1: That's <laughs> right. We want
2: our customers to be happy, even though it takes us tw- 26 weeks to complete a product. I think it was a yeah. 26-week lead time on upholstery.
3: Well, it was actually 12 weeks on upholstery, 26 weeks on the wood products, and yeah. The, the funny thing, not, not the funny thing, the reality is on those custom finishes, and I didn't share this with you last time, as I asked the supervisor of that area, you were talking about wasting time earlier on the show, I asked the supervisor, what do you spend most of your time on? And he spent 50% of his time on the custom paint option, which was less than 1% of our sales. And he was spending 50% of his time on the custom options. And the other 50%, the 99% that we were trying to run through the business. So you can imagine the quality issues that we were having going out in the field or that we were having to correct with rework inside the facility. And we were taking up all his time with that custom stuff.
2: So you're customizing. You're already a company about customer choice. And your own production system, your own design approach is defeating you. And, yeah. and ladies and gentlemen, listeners, this is what I want you to get, that it wasn't that these people were not hardworking or that they weren't implementing, trying to implement pull systems and putting in 5S and the visual wear. It's that the complexity itself was smothering, overwhelming those systems to be able to cope with that,
3: overwhelming yeah. it
2: entirely.
3: Yeah, and the reality is you can't find an ERP system good enough. You can't find an order entry system good enough. You can't find a machine good enough that can fix that kind of complexity.
2: Yeah. So I, I think we're going into a break just right now. I'm, uh, so, but when we come back from the break, please tell us a story about Miss Juanita Hicks, because for me this is really inspirational and another piece of the puzzle. So let's go into our break, and when we come back… Juanita Hicks will be front and center. Thank you.
1: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go. On iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. the bottom line in business. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at com. Now, back to the program.
2: Welcome back, everyone. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth at the Visual Workplace, and I'm joined by the great Eric Lale, who is Vice President of Performance at Total Insight in North Carolina, where they extend lean. They extend lean right across the supply chain, and we're deeply in our conversation about smart, simple design. We are now back in, what, 2000, 2003 at Hickory Chair in North Carolina, the center of the furniture industry in the United States. And we have just been introduced to a wonderful figure in this journey of simplifying design, Juanita Hicks. And Eric, if you would please grace us with this charming and important story.
3: Yeah, Juanita was a supervisor in our our plant, and we had approximately about 500 employees in this plant, and she... Uh, was responsible for about 30 of those employees, which were all indirects. And their job was to, when we had an order, <clears throat> they would pull all of the parts out of our inventory, our supermarket, what have you, and they would pull those parts to assembly. And Juanita had been with the company, you know, close to 30 years by the time that I met her. And what amazed me about her was, if you can imagine the uh, concentration game that you played as a child, where you flip over cards and have to remember where the card is placed. That's what she was doing all day long because we had no computer system. We had no addresses. There was no 5S implemented prior to 97. Uh, We had 865,000 pieces of wood in inventory of this five-story facility that was built in 1911. And when you needed to find something and you worked for Juanita, you would ask Juanita where it was located. Ah. a journey for about an hour and you would go pull the parts and if you could find all of them you would come back and say mission accomplished or you would say Juanita I just spent the last hour and a half and I only have half the parts can you tell me where the rest of them are located
2: now what we want you to understand here is it is the 5s system the visual wear would have helped Juanita help other people find their way, but the fact that a very, very deep level of visual wear and very um, uh, tightly and elegantly differentiated addresses would be needed as well was in order to cope with the variety that happened in the design process, in the process of so-called satisfying the customer's need for choice. Mm. So let's go
3: on with the story. Well, and what that was the current state ninety seven. <clears throat> so immediately we saw we needed to attack that because it was affecting and our just our employees' lifestyles of having to live in this dungeon of a warehouse. So we started to simplify the flow patterns and move parts. And we typically uh, would six months working on moving all of those parts to homes and locations and. And turning off the ERP system and putting in Kanban, and we did all of those things. And one of the light bulbs that went off in that project was our president of our company, Jay. Uh, he had all the salaried employees. There was about 47 that worked on a weekend, moving all of those parts. And obviously we couldn't move all of the parts in one weekend, but just having that many people focused on the project, I think he realized the waste that had been created from the complexity of the company. And I think at that moment, his light bulb went off and he thought, this is not going to happen under my watch. And so from that project, it, it definitely supported me when we started talking about SKUs and option reductions. But let me tell you about Juanita, what happened to her in the future state. You know, two years fast forward, you know, we the inventory was down about 50 percent with lean principles. It was much easier to find things mm-hmm. than it was before. And because we had started simplifying the line and, and 5Sing, However, Juanita was ready to retire, and we still didn't have a system that told what what we had on the uh, arts and where they were located and what parts went into what styles. And so I, I made a proposition to Juanita. I said, Juanita, if you'll consider, reconsider retiring, then I would like to put you in product development. And every six months, we were releasing products to market for the furniture industry. And I said, I'm going to have you, before the engineers are approved to release the new products, I want you to come look at the designs and the drawings and see if you can find those parts very similarly in the inventory that we already have. And so she would go down and pull parts, and sometimes she would pull 60 to 70% of the parts that we needed, and then our engineers would only have to design 30% of the parts to complete the new style. Because the parts were
2: there in the inventory of the either under a different nomenclature or that could be substituted modular-wise for a part that was being conceived of. And so, in a way, Juanita was the border guard, wasn't she? She was a way of saying, we don't need this extra variety. It's already in the system. You just don't
3: know it. Yes, and and she was empowered to say, no, we don't need to draw those parts. So engineers, you know, even though we had computer-aided design drawing systems at that point, they had to get approval from Juanita. <laughs> yeah, that's introduce.
2: fantastic. It's fantastic. So, um, Eric, right now while we're in the midst of talking about this, step out for a moment and talk to us strategically about why the parts level is really the macro level of it this is, process.
3: Yeah. The, it's the, kind well, of the.
2: counterintuitive because we're down in the parts level, and yet we're saying the parts level is the strategic level.
3: Well, you do a great job of talking about that in your book, Smart Simple Design, but what it means is that for every part, you've got purchasing involved, you've got engineering involved, you've got bill of materials being written, you've got sourcing of products, you've got accounting that's involved, you've got manufacturing and machines that are being uh, decided upon and flow passed, and everybody in the organization, probably 60 to 70 percent of them are touching this part, either virtually or physically, as it's introduced. And then when you multiply that times the number of parts in the system and the bill of material, quickly you see the complexity that's inundating the company. And so every time you take out one part, it's not that you're just taking out one part and we've just saved a little bit. You've taken out time from all of your people doing non-value-added things focused on a very low percentage of sales when that time and energy could be focused on the things that your customers really want.
2: Yes, yes. It's called true cost. Remember we talked about that in the last show? True cost. What does this, this part truly cost us? Not .07 cents apiece, but everything that adheres to it, like a magnet. Yeah, and then I would say also, when you go to find that part, you're going to pick the wrong darn part. So even though you went through all that trouble and all that expense, <laughs> you can't find, your address system can't have that many levels of discrimination for you to pick out the exactly the right part. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Good for Juanita. I hope she enjoyed herself. So then you went on to Hickory Hill, which was still in the same region because I think you told me that the Hickory part of North Carolina had 90% of all the furniture makers in the world or in the United States at some point in our history.
3: Yeah, that's correct. And the the challenge I faced at Hickory Hill was much different but the Hickory Chair products was $3,500 for a sofa. And all of a sudden, I've just gone to the the opposite spectrum where the sofa costs $350. Mm. And, and we're vacuuming up screws every day. And we're uh, making sure that we can put staples back in the hopper so that we save money. And so anytime anything we could do at that price point to lessen the complexity was going to save true cost in the system. So at Hickory Hill, I thought, well, instead of just doing wood parts, Let's look at the full bill of materials. And we started looking at fabrics. We looked at cushions. We looked at foam. We looked at hardware. We looked at suppliers. We looked at everything we could do to lessen the amount of variety so that we were only focused on the things that we needed. Uh, At Hickory Chair, I learned that with those 100 finish options I mentioned or paint options, I saw the same thing at the low end. And I realized that 98% of the sales were on 12 colors. And the 2% was on the variety that the customer didn't want. Mm. And so we, we had all this choice, but it wasn't choice that was helping us and it was hurting us. And so we wanted to eliminate that so that we could focus all of our quality efforts and all of our lean efforts around the things that the customer wanted.
2: As compared to just the uh, response to the customer that was undifferentiated, Could you give us a list, however long, however short, of some specific actions, and if you can, in order, that our listeners could take to get started on this process? And I'm thinking one of the things, for example, that you said was just dividing your fast movers from your slow movers, your 80-20. Will you just talk about what occurs to you, four or five things that listeners could do right now today without reading a book, just by saying, oh my gosh, let me take a look.
3: Yeah, that's the very first thing I would do is look at an 80-20 principle, and you're probably going to find quickly it's more like 90-10 that 90% of your sales are on 10% of the SKUs, and when you look at it at the SKU level, then go down one level below that and start looking at the the basic types of materials that are in the product. So. Uh, If we were talking about furniture, we would talk about fabric and wood frames or metal frames and cushions. And when you start looking at the complexity there, you're going to see the same type of metrics and numbers. And then you can do that same exercise for suppliers. And then you can start looking at accounts payable and seeing all the complexity there. And once you do all the math, you're going to find out that you're going to see the same patterns over and over again. And the very first thing that we we did was we looked at the bottom and started coming up from the bottom and saying, do we really want to have our customers make this choice? You know, just because one customer is buying this in Colorado, do we need to offer that to the world? Can we um, take that out of our standard offering and maybe it'll become a custom offering, but they're going to pay for that custom offering. And so that it's not something we have to do all the time.
2: Now, I want you to say that great thing that you said to me when we were talking about this show, when we were getting ready, about the marketing guy. That the marketing guy can make a decision. Remember that?
3: Yeah, I got it. Yeah. And then I say this all the time with clients and with people that I have to work with. You know, lean is, can be implemented at all levels of the company. And I think a lot of executives think, well, how do I implement changeover reduction or 5S at the executive level? And for me, when I think about smart, simple design and I think about visual workplace for a marketing executive, he can implement or she can implement 1S, the sorting out of what's unnecessary at the highest level. So with a stroke of a pen, a marketing executive can eliminate a SKU or an option or a program or a, a model that all of a sudden eliminates hundreds of thousands of other activities that are happening in the company. And that stroke of a pen eliminates the need for 5S events, changeover events, uh, Kaizen events that we would spend years focused on in the journey. And so I think when you grasp your head around this, you can say, wait a minute, this is like name that tune. We can name that tune in the lean journey three years faster or five years faster if we implement this company.
2: And, you know, that's so interesting because, you know, having written this book, and it, it is the first book that I wrote long before, um, well, about two years before I did my first visual book. But, uh, when I think about it, people really do miss this elephant that is standing in the room. And the, the promotion and the popularization has been around putting in pull systems. But if you question that fundamental premise, why are we pulling that part? Why does that part even exist? Or why yeah. are we doing this changeover? Or why do we have these 25 or 2500 extra die? Because they only represent 3% of the market and we, and we don't, you know, we haven't sorted that all out yet. Why yeah. are we focusing on all of these improvement activities when where we have to go is very, very far upstream into the design of the part itself. And you know the darn thing about it? Those parts enter the system just because they can't be found or because the nomenclature, you're going to love this word, the nomenclature hasn't been standardized. So the part exists exactly the one we want, but we don't know what it's called. It's so interesting. It's a mishmash. It is a, it, it's a mess. You know, it's complexity on a psychological level as well. It's the complexity that happens when you simply have a VP of engineer retire or get promoted or go to another company, and his legacy, her legacy isn't clean when when they leave. It's so very interesting. Well, I think that you have certainly uh, scared us enough (laughs) to make us want to pay attention to what smart, simple design can do on the front side of lean and on the front side of visual, although very, very, very few companies are smart enough To start implementing in that way they call the low-hanging fruit the easy stuff of getting rid of the clutter as compared to asking what is the source of that clutter what triggered it so we're going to go into a break now it's our last break of the show and when we come back eric i'd like you to say a few more things about smart simple design and the interface with lean and visual and then tell us some things about what you're planning to do next in your own work thank you everybody we'll see you in just a moment
3: of online tv is here view exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else visit voiceamerica.tv today
1: are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company Gwendolyn Galsworth visual workplace expert and award-winning author is available to help you harness and maximize that power with nearly 30 years of hands-on experience Dr. Galsworth shows you how Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website, again, is visualworkplace.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Gwendolyn, and we are back at The Visual Workplace with Eric Lyle, who is Vice President of Performance at Total Inside in North Carolina, and we are hot and heavy into our discussion of smart civil design, looking at it through the lens of the furniture business in, in the Hickory region of the Carolinas, which is um, which is the place where the, where our furniture used to come from almost entirely and uh, we're, we have ten, about ten minutes left on the show, and I would really love Eric because of your experience both as and executive and also helping the executives who come to your company, I'd like you to give us some insight of the interface between smart, simple design and lean, and then you can mention visual as well, but why? what is the um, challenge there when you talk about lean and smart, simple design? Just talk about that any way you like, and I know it'll be vivid and we'll understand.
3: Please. Well, the challenge for executives a lot of time, and I've I've got a company I'm working with right now that he has this same challenge as the chief operating officer. He wants to understand the lean principles, but the reality of an executive getting through 10 Kaizen events or 40 Kaizen events to practice and implement them is is unlikely. And the journey itself will be measured by the board and the numbers and all those kind of things. So you've got the pressure as executive of trying to Uh, right the ship or turn the ship, so to speak. And I had an executive that asked me, one of our clients, he said, how do I get involved? How do I help my team with this lean journey? And I think he really wanted to get down and learn the tools. And, you know, honestly, as I think about his question, it's taken me a couple years to figure out the best way to answer him. But thinking about smart, simple design and lean, it's basically taking the lean principles and applying them at the highest level of the company. When I think about visual, automatically I think about 5S, and I think about the discipline that that requires, and I start thinking about 1S. You know, so many times with 5S, we try to go down and implement all 5Ss in a workstation, and we totally disregard the real first S of sorting out everything that's unnecessary. As an executive, that applies to the the product line. It applies to our customer base. It applies to our supplier base. It applies to policies. It applies to our accounting practices. It applies to all of the business systems that we're using that complicate the journey. And so when I think about him and his personal journey and learning how to help his team, uh, smart, simple design comes to mind immediately. Their business complexity is is that they're in the design industry and they uh, fashion and they make fabrics and they've got thousands upon thousands of colors that they have to dye to make fabrics. And they're one of the few manufacturers still left in our country that does this and their challenge is is the equipment was not made for a quick changeover. The equipment was made for large, lot size production. And so when he can think about how to eliminate. Uh, options and colors, it's going to eliminate the need to have changeovers. It's going to eliminate inventories. It's going to eliminate space and warehouses. And it's going to help reduce labor that's being used for non-value-added things and and using that labor for value-added things that the customer really truly cares about. Um, And I think about his employees. I think about those that are having to look at hundreds of shades of green and with the eye trying to determine which is the right one uh, for this specific order, for this specific part number, for this specific bill of material request uh, without having some type of meter to judge that shade of green. And it's applying the principles at that level that's going to eliminate the complexity and it will just fuel the lean journey and the lean team because they're not going to have to make homes for that many parts. They're not going to have to reorganize everything. They're not going to have to go machine by machine like we typically do to try to change the ship.
2: Well, that's really so interesting. So you're saying that your senior executives, your marketing, your, your, your GM has a responsibility to apply principles of smart, simple design or what you're calling the first as sorting, which is sorting through what is there and asking yourself what is necessary for our strategic direction and what is, if not junk, then extra, excess, not needed. And making those hard decisions, we really need to face this on the marketing level, on this misunderstanding that giving customers everything that they want exactly the way they want it is going to both help them and also help you stay in business. And it, it, this really does exist on a policy level, doesn't it? You need to have policies about how you are going to treat Customer choice. I think that's what you're saying with this. How many thousands of of colors of green are there? There can't be more than five.
3: Well, that's my point. Maybe there's a hundred. Well, and you, you, when we started this show, we were talking about Hickory Chair, and I know in your book, you've already talked about Y companies and X companies. Hickory Chair was a Y company. That's what started us on the journey. That's what started the president to say, hey, we got to do something different. Our costs were rising, and we were passing that on and raising our prices, and our SKUs were uh, rising, but our parts were actually increasing faster than our sales. And as we made the decision to take out Complexity. A lot of people in the industry thought we were going out of business because we were pulling out uh, skews and fabrics and choice, and it looked like that we were going out of business in the market. But as we were dropping those skews, our sales actually increased, and so we became an X company. And when yes, that happened, yes, your sales
2: your sales increased and your margins increased.
3: Exactly. And that fueled us to be able to go faster with lean, and so there's this mis uh nomenclature that if you have more variety, that you're gonna be everything and anybody you know to everybody and I used to tell our company that I have never been to a five star restaurant that had a Denny's menu. you know how can you give a great quality when you've got every choice under the sun? You know, I've never been to a five-star restaurant that didn't have just three choices. That evening, that chef is preparing the best meal. We're trusting him for his quality and the experience and the the ambiance. And that's the kind of service that we wanted to provide to our customers. But yet we were giving them anything and everything just like they were at Hop.
2: Yeah, it's fantastic. That's a fantastic metaphor. So just to remind you guys about what Eric is talking about with X and Y, the Y company – what happens in the Y company is the rate of increase in parts matches or outpaces the rate of increase in sales. So you've got this Y shape. And an X type company, which is what you're moving towards when you embrace smart, civil design, is that the sales go up, the parts go down, and they cross right in the middle.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, fantastic. Any parting words, anything you want us to know about what you're doing or about uh, where you're going, what's next for Total Insight, or what you hope will be next, or what this interface is. Uh, before we say thank you so much and goodbye.
3: What I think is most important or value add, if I was listening, is not what Total Insight's doing, but wh- where do we need the industry to go and lean? And for me, I'm always thinking of ways to help our clients shave time off of the journey because it's that speed to competitive advantage that's most important to them and their business and their customers. And when I think about that, you know, I really want companies to understand that it's decisions at the top of the organization that we've talked about with design with complexity with the supply chain that can shave uh years off the journey, but also it makes it easier for your lean practitioners and your managers to be able to to simplify things in the the process and I think that there's many of your product development teams. You know, we talked about marketing, but the truth is when you go to product development and you ask them about these things, they get it. They see it. They have to uh, fill in the the ERP system, all the bill of materials and the cost and everything. They get it. But they don't feel they're empowered to make those decisions to reduce the number because they feel like marketing and sales wants all of these options. So as a, a combined effort, we need sales, marketing, operations, supply chain, human resources, we all need to be thinking about how we apply these concepts and lean principles to all parts of the business. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, there's going to be synergy. You know, one plus one is going to equal three, ten, a thousand, and we're going to be faster uh, in the journey to getting that competitive advantage that we want. So it's
2: really a universal principle, isn't it? It's one of those timeless universal principles, which is there's a limit to choice Choice shifts over, drifts over into complexity. Complexity equals struggle. And there's no reason why we have to have that much struggle in our lives or in our companies. Where There's no re- reason why we have to cope with going to work. And, you know, it's very interesting. When you were talking, the image that came to mind about talking to marketing and uh, sales is kind of like the idea of tough love. You're just going to have to say You're just going to have to find a different way of giving a customer choice or learn to say no. Just say no or just Uh, say, uh, I've got something else for you.
3: (laughs) Well – well, I'll tell you a funny story about that, how you get their attention. At Hickory Chair, when I used to get cancellations of orders, we always said when the customer cancels the order, they own the fabric. But the reality was we ate it on manufacturing cost of goods. So when that cancellation would take place, I told our team to start bringing all of those kitted parts to me, and I would deliver them to sales. And so I put those in a bag, and I delivered them to the VP of sales office. So when he would wake up in the morning and come to work, he had a kit full of parts that now that we just had on the books
2: <laughs> excellent excellent. and on that happy image we love our salespeople. we love our marketing I want to thank you again Eric Lill let's give people your website so they know where to reach you and I'll do it for you it's www.totalinsight.com and the number is 823-485-5000 did I get that that's right? 828 eight, eight, eight
3: eight, 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 eight. Eight,
2: uh, that's it this is a great company. Uh, Eric is a man of quality. He's a noble person. He thinks carefully. He wants to help his clients, and he's super, super-duper smart. I, it's just been such a pleasure to uh, talk with you. Thank you very much, Eric.
3: Thank you for having us. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and I also want to say for everyone who's been listening, thank you so much for joining us today on The Visual Workplace. We, uh, you are our listeners, and I hope that you have found this to be interesting and useful to you. And, of course, we hope that you apply much, if not all, of what we've talked about. Your comments and your uh, stories are welcomed at radio at and I look forward to the next time. You bet I do. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth at the Visual Workplace, and I'm signing off.
1: We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.